Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter to you all. In the book of Rinzai, chapter 15, translation by Edo Shimano Roshi. Someone asked, what is genuine insight? The master said, just enter the secular, enter the sacred, enter the defiled, enter the pure, enter the lands of the Buddhas, enter the tower of Maitreya, and enter the Dharmadhatu of Airakana. Every land is revealed, coming into being, continuing, decaying, and passing into emptiness. The Buddha appears in the world, turns the great Dharma wheel, and then enters Parinirvana. However, nobody can see the form of his coming and going. If we search for his life and death in the end, we can never find it. Entering the Dharma realm of the unborn, traveling throughout every land, entering the world of the lotus womb and realizing that all dharmas are but empty forms. Nothing has its own substance. There is only the person who, not relying on anyone, listens to the dharma. She is the mother of the Buddhas. Therefore, Buddhas are born from non-reliance. If you truly awaken to that non-reliance, you will discover that Buddhahood is nothing special to attain. Insight such as this is genuine insight. You students do not understand this because you stick to names and phrases and are perturbed by such words as secular and sacred. Consequently, this blinds your eye to the way and you cannot see clearly. For example, the 12 divisions of the teachings are only superficial explanations. Nevertheless, you students of Dharma, not knowing this reality, create your understanding based upon these superficial names and phrases. All this is just relying on something. Accordingly, you fall into the world of cause and effect and can never be free from life and death in the three realms. If you want to be free in living, in dying, in coming and going, in putting on and taking off your clothes, you must recognize the one who is listening to my talk right now. Having no form, no characteristics, no root, no foundation, no specific dwelling place. This one is brisk and dynamic, acts according to myriad circumstances and indeed has no fixed place. Therefore, the more you search for it, the further away it goes. The more you reach for it, the less you can grasp it. 
This is what I call the uncanny. Followers of the way, you must not be deceived by your hallucinatory companion. Sooner or later, you will face impermanence. What are you seeking in this world in order to emancipate yourself? You look for something to eat, spend time patching your robe. You would better visit an outstanding master rather than hanging around and pursuing comfort. You must begrudge the passing of the day. Remember that moment after moment is impermanence itself. You are swayed by earth, water, fire, and wind at the gross level. You are swayed by the four phases of birth, life, decay, and extinction at the subtle level. Followers of the way. Right now, you must recognize these four formless conditions. Don't be swayed by external circumstances. So, Master Rinzai, when I was choosing a text for today, there were three considerations. One, of course, was the celebration of Easter, which as a person who has dual citizenship in the world of Christianity and Buddhism is a special day for me. The other, of course, was the commemoration of Master Rinzai. And the third was this particular reality that we find ourselves in right now, this pandemic, which has caused so much suffering and so much grief and so much uncertainty and so much difficulty in the hearts of so many, many people. And when I found this text, chapter 15 of the book of Rinzai, I was struck by how often he refers to impermanence and how often he refers to not relying on anything. Impermanence is the very air that we breathe. Impermanence is the ground beneath our feet, the water that we drink. Impermanence is not simply birth and death, though those are very important in how we approach our lives. Impermanence is every moment of every day. And there's a saying by 
Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche that I like very much. He used to say, the bad news is that you're falling through the air without a parachute. And the good news is that there's no ground. And that is the condition that we find ourselves in. That's the condition we find ourselves in at all times. But so often we delude ourselves into thinking because things are going along pretty much as they always seem to go along, that somehow they'll always go along as they have gone on in the past. And then something happens. A loved one dies. We become ill. We look at ourselves in the mirror one day and we say, who is that old person looking back at me? How, how did that happen? Sheesh, I, I don't remember that. And in those moments, we realize that we are falling through the air without a parachute. And then the question becomes, when you're falling, how do you open your heart? How do you open your mind? Because when we're faced with impermanence, when we're faced with this fact that we're falling and falling and falling, and there's nothing to grasp onto, the usual mechanism of coping is by grasping, by trying to reach and hold on to something. Hold on to money, hold on to fame, hold on to power, hold on to relationships, hold on to what we've always relied on in the past. And that's the poison of grasping. Another strategy is to try to run away from the fact that we're falling, that it's scary, that it hurts to look around and see everything rushing past you and nothing to hold on to. We want to run away from that. We want to lash out at the injustice of it all. And that's the poison of aversion. And another strategy is to just deny what's going on. To make believe that Everything is just as it always has been. 
and that is the poison of delusion. Those poisons are what we habitually rely on. And when Rinzai talks, about blinding our eyes to the way so that we cannot see clearly. He says, you do not understand because you stick to names and phrases and you blind your eyes to the way. That's what he's talking about. If we search for the life and death of the Buddha, in the end, we can never find it. Entering the Dharma realm of the unborn, traveling throughout every land, entering the world of the lotus womb, and realizing that all dharmas are but empty forms. Nothing has its own substance. He's not just talking about looking for the life of the Buddha or the life of Jesus Christ or the birth of the Buddha or the Parinirvana of the Buddha or the resurrection of the Christ. He's talking about our own lives, each and every one of us and how all the dharmas, all the phenomena of life are just empty forms, just the culmination of conditions. And as conditions change, those forms change, the feelings change, all the five skandhas change as conditions change. There's only the person who, not relying on anyone, listens to the Dharma. She is the mother of the Buddhas. Therefore, Buddhas are born from non-reliance. If you truly awaken to that non-reliance, you will discover that Buddhahood is nothing special to attain. Insight such as this is genuine insight. That non-reliance, that non-reliance is nothing but falling through the air without a parachute. And the question is always how, when you realize this condition that we're in of falling through the air without a parachute, how do you stabilize your heart so that you can be open, clear, and free? How do you stabilize your mind so that you can see clearly 
from moment to moment, not trying to grasp what can't be grasped, not trying to run away from what cannot be run away from, and not deluding ourselves about the conditions of our lives. How do we stabilize our heart and our mind? How do we accept, and not just accept, but act clearly and with compassion and with love while we're falling through the air without a parachute? while we are face to face with our own impermanence and the impermanence of everybody and everything that we love. How do we live in this non-reliance, this condition of non-reliance? And there is no one, no teacher, no teaching no guru, no sage who can do this for you. You have to do it for yourself. How do you do this? And we know there are as many methods as there are people in the world. There is loving kindness meditation, which I always love to go back to in times of anxiety and uncertainty, times of terror, when I am so aware of the impermanence of my own temporary body and mind and of those that I love. There's Zazen Shikantaza, simply being aware, simply being present being present without judgment, without fear. Even in the midst of our fear, even in the midst of our anger, being aware of it and treating it as the ephemeral culmination of conditions that it is, watching it, observing it, letting it go. There's being with your breath. There's being with your pain. All of these things, all of these methods, and so many more methods 
the practice of yoga, running, calling friends on the telephone, service. All of these methods have their place. All of these methods can stabilize our attention, stabilize our heart, our feelings, open up our heart, open up our mind, so that we can accept this condition of falling through the air without a parachute and realize truly there is no ground. There is nowhere that is safe. There is nowhere that is unsafe. And yet, we must be wise. We must be discerning. We must take good care of ourselves and of others. And most importantly, we must take good care of our heart, good care of our mind, good care of our attention, relying on no one and nothing, neither the words of the sages, but revering, loving, taking cues when appropriate from their words, from the Book of Rinzai, from the Koans, from the Sutras. Letting those words resonate. Taking refuge in the Buddha. Taking refuge in the Dharma. Taking refuge in the Sangha. Giving ourselves to the three treasures. That's a very different thing from relying, giving ourselves to service, giving ourselves to meditation, giving ourselves to chanting, giving ourselves to experience these wonderful practices. And now that so many of us have so much time in our hands, not being able to do the things that we normally do, that take up our time and our energy, it's the perfect time to practice. The perfect time to practice. And I hope you're all practicing more, reading more, loving more, and finding in the practice the way to stabilize 
your heart and your mind. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.